So we were just talking about, uh, before you popped on here, and I'm going to do a proper introduction, but Sylvia was just saying she was taking a class, a fitness class, and the instructor told her, you know, what you're doing is enough. It's enough. And I say, no, no, you need she to do more. Say, Come <laughs> on. Everyone needs enough. to do more. <laughs> mediocrity that's what we're going to create you're like a maximalist you're like a maximalist but like in life not just like you know this is maximalism but you're a maximalist in life more is more you know yeah more see and we were just talking about that i'm the never enough person and still is the it's enough person but i don't know like i said we just if we start sending that message out there just please just do what you're doing you what everything you're doing is enough <laughs> mediocrity the hollow buddy Greetings and salutations and welcome to the Hollow Bunny Leadership Podcast. I am Kristen Zeman and I am here with my affable, analytical, affectionate, ambitious co-host, Sylvia Moyer. What? Whoa, yeah, all the I, A words. A lot of A words. I got and you are so many awesome. A words. Oh my gosh, thank you. I got so many A words for you today and I'm feeling all of them about you today. So we are the Hollow Bunny Leadership Podcast and this uh, podcast, your co-hosts are a couple of former police chiefs, but oh no, this podcast is for anyone interested in talking about life and leadership and particularly mm -hmm. the lessons that we have learned about both. And those lessons fill up the hollow bunny. So that's the metaphor for yes, you, you listeners. We do have room for more listeners. We have uh, millions right now, but there's always room for more. I had the distinct pleasure of being invited to the Serving with Pride Gala uh, in Ontario. It was remarkable. I was able to speak there and that event was co-hosted. It was co-hosted Serving with Pride and the Peel Regional Police. And I do want to shout out quickly to the Serving with Pride organization uh, because uh, they try to have an optimized work environment to include diversity, integrity, awareness, and equity of LGBTQ plus employees within policing, corrections, and the criminal justice profession, which is amazing because what happens when Canada. you do that... It's Canada, man. It, I mean, miles ahead of us. Um, but what you what happens when you do that is it builds a criminal justice system where organizations are sensitive to the unique needs of the community. And it just, they build bridges. That's what they do. So there I am at this event and it's a glorious event. And I, I have the distinct pleasure to watch this beautiful drag diva. So th there is this amazing and acrobatic performance by this gorgeous diva, Jezebel Bardot. And I stayed up until 2 a.m. because she got me on my phone. No, you so didn't. That, yeah, no, I did. You and you know, I go to bed at nine. No. I go to bed at nine. I know. Hard, Let me tell you. Hard out at nine. Hard out, hard out. Let me tell you, because nothing good, nothing good happens after nine, but on this particular night, everything good happens after nine. So here is who we have today. Jezebel Bardot is Toronto's French Canadian drag diva, starting her career what? with impersonations of comedy tycoon Joan Rivers. Jezebel has modeled her stage persona around strong strong, inspiring women such as Joan Rivers, Celine Dion, and my Dolly. By day, Jezebel works in education and has a background in sports psychology and phys ed. But on stage, this translates into Jezebel's characteristic heart, wit, and striking athleticism, which I can attest to, I saw it with my eyes. Just like a tall glass of fine French wine, Madame Bardot serves full body, <laughs> pairs well with meaty dishes, and leaves a sweet aftertaste. Um, let me tell mm, you, uh, uh, welcome, oh, welcome, finished. welcome, well, Jezebel Bardot to our, our little baby podcast with millions of listeners. Well, good morning, kids. It's good to be here. It's good to see you again, Kristen. It's so and nice good to, meet to you, see Sylvia. you. Nice to meet you, Jason Jezebel. How should we 
How should we refer to you on this podcast for all of our listeners? So typically it's, you know, when we refer to somebody, especially a performer who takes on another character, you refer to them as they present. So I'm here as Jason today. Uh, If I'd be in full get up and drag and wig and the boobs and all that stuff, it would be nice to be called Jezebel or her. But when I put my boobs out in the drawer, then it's Jason again. (laughs) How convenient is that? Don't you know who you're (laughs) with? I love boobies. Oh, what a ripoff. Okay, so the next time- You put your boobs away at night too. Jason. (laughs) Hey, they came in, you know, uh, as a teenager and they just stayed right where they are. Never made anything of their lives. They come in, they're still perky. They don't want to go anywhere. So Jason- It is so nice to meet you. What a remarkable story you have. And what a delight that this little dish over here, Miss Kristen Zeman, got to see you perform and then invited you to our podcast. And then you are here. Right. Well, I'm fangirling, too, because uh, I was able to listen to Kristen speak and it was just so, so inspiring and how uh, lucky are the people that uh, that got to to work under her leadership. So uh, it's it's honestly it's uh, it's a pleasure to be here and to uh, speak with you too and share a little bit of my story and hear more and learn more about you guys. Oh, Can't I love it. So let me tell you. So after you performed, um, I you know, I fell in love with you in that moment as Jezebel. And then what happened was you took the microphone um, at this gala, and I was I I literally stopped in my tracks when I heard you say that you are an elementary school principal by day Mm -hmm. uh, and Mm -hmm. at a Catholic elementary school. Now, this as we 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 joked earlier about, you know, Canadians being miles ahead. um, But I I, it struck me and, and, you know, in all seriousness, it was one of those moments where I had this, you know, it it was a clash uh, of cultures. And I live in in Florida, where they are banning more books than anywhere else in the United States, where, um, you know, drag shows are being canceled, um, you know, because of all of the ridiculous, uh, uh, you know, faux reasons, you know, that people are coming up with. And it breaks my heart. And then to hear that you are Jezebel Bardo by night and weekend, and here you are, you know, as a Catholic school principal, can you just tell us how these paths converged and how you came to be who you are? I know that's a heavy lift, but I just want to know everything. I want to keep you on here all day. <laughs> it, it, it's all a big accident, to be honest, both <laughs> It all just happened by by accident and just by, uh, you know, putting one foot in front of the other and refusing to be nothing less than just yourself. Um, that's that's how it is. I've I've uh, so I don't know where to begin. It's like, is it the 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 egg or the, the rooster? Which one comes first, the drag queen or the educator? I don't know. Um, but uh, I I don't know. It's it's tricky. It's uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but here in Ontario or in Canada anyways, but specifically here in Ontario, I live in Toronto and uh, in the province of Ontario, we have four educational systems that are publicly funded. So you have your English speaking public boards and your Catholic boards are publicly funded. Um, And you also have French public boards, which is open to everybody and then French Catholic as well. And then you have a whole private system and that's publicly funded. And um, there's, I, I happen to work for the French Catholic School Board. I'm from Quebec originally. I don't know if you've ever been to Montreal. It's very cold. It's beautiful. And we have amazing food. Um, but my dad was in the military. So I grew up uh, in a military base uh, just about two hours north of Toronto. Um, and I, I was playing sports my entire life. I come from a sports family. And that's the beauty of being on a military base. You have all this massive infrastructure of gyms and pools and stuff like that. And so... Uh, it was very cheap for me to do sports. And so I was always involved in sports. And so I did volleyball, I did swimming, I did hockey, obviously I'm Canadian. Uh, and I, I did gymnastics and martial arts and that's where I really excelled. Um, I went to eventually to become a, a national team. Um, I, I won on 
the Canadian national championships twice. Uh, and so what happened is that I, I was kind of destined to go towards a very famous circus. You may have heard of it, Cirque du Soleil, uh, which is a what? product Guess. of Montreal. It's, 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 it originated in Montreal and it's, you know, it's been in Vegas now for gazillion years and it's, it's a very iconic uh, company. I wanted to go towards Cirque du Soleil because I've always been an athlete and a performer and I've, I've done improv and theater and all that stuff. And that's where I was heading. And there's so many curveballs that were thrown my way through injury, through my dad getting injured in the military, retiring at the age of 40, having to go take care of his ill parents back in Quebec. And, and I was looking at the way the military kind of took care of my dad with his pension and his, his, you know, his situation. And I was like, is, is Cirque du Soleil or is like a private company like that going to take care of me? Like, what am I going to do when I'm 35, 40, the age of my dad and all broken and injured? Am I going to have a pathway to a successful career or is it, what am I going to do at 35, 40, you know? And is Cirque du Soleil just glamour or is it a career that I can have for a long time? And anyway, so I changed the, my course and I became a phys ed teacher. Um, because I love sports and I love teaching kids. And I was kind of coaching gymnastics when I was young. And uh, it just led me very quickly through leadership roles within my board, within my organization, from teacher to advisor to principal to vice principal. Uh, to, I was interim principal in Peel when I met you. I'm back at my advisory role now at the board. We can go through that later. But um, yeah, and I then eventually I found out the art of drag and that just became my little, my, my own Cirque du Soleil, so... Well, and also the, I, I can attest to uh, the athleticism. Uh, Jezebel <laughs> was rocking it. I mean, uh, you know, acrobatic moves that uh, I was like, ooh, that, did that hurt? Like, I mean, just cringeworthy for me, but rocking the stage and, and again, had every, I mean, the energy in that, and there was, that gala was, was gargantuous. There were so many people there and just the energy that you brought. So I, I love that. That path is uh, certainly not a traditional path, but uh, I love where it took you. That's absolutely incredible. Yeah, thanks. It, it's, uh, you know, it, it it's funny that um, I, I never thought I'd become a drag queen um, at all. And it's not something that I think anybody wakes up and like, I want to be a drag queen when I grow up kind of thing. Maybe the kids nowadays. But um, I, I don't know, I just fell at it. When I moved to Toronto, uh, I, I was in a small town before and I moved to Toronto and I just discovered drag. I'd go out in gay bars and, and see them perform. And I thought that they were just fabulous. And, and they looked like they were having so much fun on stage. And what was fun also, you met my my partner in crime, Vitality Black, who is an amazing Tina Turner impersonator. And her and I are best of friends. We laugh together. We hang out together. We really have each other's back. Um, I don't trust very many people, but her is like, you know, she's my ride or die. She's like my, mm -hmm. <laughs> she's awesome. awesome. I love her. And so we had, we had the best of time that night. Um, but yeah, I, I never thought I'd become a drag queen. When I moved to Toronto, uh, these shows are, have you ever been to a drag show? Oh, oh yeah. 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 Oh, and, yes. and you're in Florida, yes. you have palace. That's like iconic. Oh. Come on, Jason. I'm out, I'm in Marin County, California, right outside of San Francisco. Oh, come yes. on. Oh my gosh, I know. Okay, Florida. Sorry. Florida is like what? Come on, <laughs> Kristen. We can brawl on the. Yeah, we could. We could. And you know, it's it's so interesting that that you've asked, have I ever been? You know, and it's funny is you know we we've taken our kids. We have four children, and we have in Chicago where I'm from. I just moved to Florida, but, you know, drag brunches and taking our children who also love it so much. And it means just, and for my, my son is a, is an actor. And so we just love everything performance related. And so, you know, and it, it's so interesting how the evolution, especially of drag performance in the U S has become, you know, this conservative talking point, you know, for everything that is bad. And it's like, I look back, you know, on our lives and taking our children and I wouldn't change a thing. I, I love it so much. And I just love the inclusiveness that it brings. And, you know, and that's why I wanted to talk to you, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, have you had any challenges, you know, in reconciling, you know, these careers have parents, you know, giving, given you, you know, any problems, or is it truly not even an issue in Canada the way it is here? I, to be honest, I, I think it is if you decide to make it an issue, um, yeah. you know, I don't breathe air into any of the negativity and it just doesn't seem mm -hmm. to stick to me, to be quite honest. Um, I, I've, I've, I've had some, some real, real tough issues. Um, 
especially as as a teacher, I found I was fine in the sense that I was always unapologetically myself. Kids would ask, "Are you married?" And I'm I'm been with my partner Richard for eleven years now, um, and so I'd say, "Oh, I have a partner at home," and the kids tend to just be like, "Oh, okay, that's cool," and then move on and go play soccer, kind of thing, right? It's um, I think what happened is in, in it, like in any space, once you put yourself out there and you start kind of taking space and, and climbing up the ranks. When I became vice principal, I was 26. When I became a vice principal, I was very, very young. Wow. And um, it, it turned some heads, not just the fact that I was a young person in, in a leadership role, um, but anybody who, who thought that I would take too much space, it, it's an easy thing to go and poke at and to say, well, look at how bad this person is, what this person does on weekends, blah, blah, blah. So uh, it, it's been tricky. And, you know, a lot of the sentiment here that I see is, is kids these days see drag as, as an artist. They see us as makeup artists. Mm-hmm. They, at, their first access to us is through social media, through being an influencer yeah. for a beauty brand or something like that, or through television. Whereas I find people who um, are a little bit older, they tend to have that idea, that stigma, which is true in part exists, that a drag queen is some foul mouth, vulgar, sexualized creature that lurks around in nightclubs and has nothing else in their lives but drinking alcohol and talking about dick all day. You know what I mean? And there's mm-hmm. p- parts of that. Yes, you have that drag queen. But parts Okay, of- pause there. Right. <laughs> And you've also just described like like strip clubs with straight white men. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know, right? Like what what the hell? So right, you know, but that's yeah. But and and also now with with um you know you used to have to go into a nightclub to see what a drag queen was all about and blah blah blah, and now what happens and this this goes this applies to everything is that you know you get one drag queen who says something really awful or bad or or vulgar and you put that on social media. You know, it didn't just stay in the in the basement of this nightclub, you know, that 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 joke, it it's all over the place. So now I carry the burden of bad moves from my my peers. Right. And and same with you guys, you know, your police officers, you know, you carry the stigma that that's around that and the negativity that's around your colleagues who did bad things. And it's all over social media and that cop that's punching that kid that's down. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're not that person, but people, Mm -hmm. because you're wearing the uniform. Well now, because I'm wearing the wig, I'm some groomer. I'm somebody who, who made sexual gestures in front of children at brunch. Like, no, I, that's, I carry myself Mm -hmm. in my way. And that's how through my leadership too, is I, I try as, as a school administrator and I, I try as a, a leader in my organization to just take people individually the way that they are. And that's how I want to be dealt with. And that's how I want to be seen. Um, and that's how I, I find success in uniting people in, in an often very divided um, room. And when, when oh. you met me, I was um, interim principal at a school for a very short time in Peel region. And uh, it, it, you know, when, when you walk in as a leader in in a temporary way, it's because their leader is gone for a reason that's usually sad. It's either an illness, it's either something went wrong with a, a fellow colleague, an employee, whatever. And so you're never really there in, in the greatest times. So what do you do as a leader? You don't, you know, I, I don't try to change the organization. I just try to keep the climate as positive as possible. And because there's instability at the top, you need to keep stability at the at, at the very base and your frontline people. So to get to know your staff, to get to know your teachers, to get to know them individually so that you can get the most out of them. They feel like they're they're actually part of the leadership and they are. Everybody's part of the leadership. But by yeah. coming in as this temporary leader and just jumping into a space and making it your own, that's not how you, you can navigate in those tricky situations. Right. So I, I don't know. I just tried to, uh, it was, it was a tricky time when, when I met you. So, yeah. Understood. Okay. I have hundreds of questions. I really <laughs> want to dive into this piece because a lot of our listeners serve in these interim roles like you did, Jason. And, mm-hmm. and what they found is they have different approaches and it sounds like what you did was you brought your leadership, you showed up, and your character was on full display for everyone during that time. There, there, there's a lot to be said for your behavior. Your is really it's your values, right? It is what you stand for. 
And my mom used to say, you don't have to tell people your values, your behavior describes it for them or demonstrates or illustrates it for them. You are authentically you. How, how do we cultivate that in other people? Well, how I, do you do it? What do it, you tell our listeners about that? It actually came, you know, it, it wasn't as easy as at the, at the very beginning, because when I, I first became a, a vice principal, um, I did drag on weekends. And so that was, that was tricky. And, and I used to do it as a teacher. It was a little bit easier as a teacher because you're not in a leadership role and, and whatnot. And I, it's not like I talked about it at work and I was very afraid to talk about it at work. I was like, oh my gosh, can I get fired for this and that sort of stuff. And it's when I became a vice principal, I said, I love drag. Drag is my art. It's what's different for me to dress up as Celine Dion on weekends. I'm not a stripper. I'm a, I'm a performer. I take on a character. I do Joan Rivers mm -hmm. or Celine Dion or Jennifer Lopez, whatever. And I make people laugh and dance. And as Kristen saw, move and just enjoy their evening. And that's, that's really all I do. I just do it in, in character. Uh, that's no different from, you know, the straight guys who, who go out and play in a garage band on weekends and have a bunch of beers. Like there's no right. difference in that. Right. So, well, nobody's throwing their underwear at you. I'm thinking. Correct. Right? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, there's a difference. You, know, you, you get some wild bachelorette parties here and there. Uh, and yes, of course you do a, a song and you have some guy who comes up and puts money in your bra, you know, oh big deal. But, um, at one point when I became vice principal i used to finish uh my drag shows on sundays uh which it was early 6 to 9 p.m so i could be home and in bed by 11 and back at work on monday at a decent time but i would remove my nail polish and my fake nails and um what's funny is that it was um a, a male teacher a straight male teacher who um eventually a couple months in maybe halfway through the school year said to me he's like you know jason i i know what you do on weekends i've seen you in shows before and i'm i'm just curious to know like why why don't you share that with us because oh, whenever we wow. talk about our 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 weekends and whatnot and he was a music teacher and i saw him at a few like open stage stuff and there's some some every you know I've seen him play before out in, in public in different festivals and things like that. And uh, he's like, you know, what I do and what you do is no, no different. And that's, it, oh, it was just, a, and it was such a casual conversation. Right? And, and it was me going into the staff room and like filling up my water bottle kind of thing. And it's, it's just when management and the staff can meet in these unstructured times that these types of conversation, and you can't imagine the pressure that I just went like, whew, that's great because I was also there with a credibility issue, right? Because I'm a 26 year old vice principal in a school. I'm one of the youngest staff there. The majority of the people there are women that are my mom's age. And who am I to go there as their boss? You know what I mean? So I, I already had to have a collaborative approach. I was, I was on my best behavior in the sense that I was like, shit, I already have a credibility issue here because I'm so young in this leadership role trying to navigate that. And on top of that, if they find out that I do dick jokes at Joan Rivers in a gay bar on weekends, <laughs> I'm done. So right. I kept, I, I was so careful um, to kind of hide that. And, and it's funny because drag is such a liberating thing, but it actually put me back in the closet when oh. I got into an admin role. So I was kind of like yeah. flamboyant and loud as a teacher because I felt like I had nothing to lose really. But when I became an, a, an administrator, drag put me back in the closet and it was a straight man through allyship and just through empathy oh. and curiosity who allowed me to be myself again. And all I ended up doing was just on Sunday nights, I just stopped removing the my nail polish. And, you know. So, Jason, I want to read something that, that you wrote on Instagram. And it just, it moved <laughs> me. And it's just so apropos to what you're saying. So you wrote, it's my second day as an elementary school principal. And the grade six came up with a name for me. Mr. Slay. I guess the orange nails and floral shirt gave it away because when I walked down the hallway, all I heard was, oh my God, Slay. They had no questions, no judgment, just pure love and appreciation for this complete stranger who was just perhaps a little, quote, different than other principals. What an amazing welcome. The inclusion, love, and respect these kids show is incredibly humbling. We can learn so much from them. 
I aspire to do the same in return and create a climate and space where everyone can be themselves and feel good to be at school. Just right. drop the mic right there. <laughs> come on, um, come on. Uh, and, and everything that you have just said from the beginning of this conversation of when you said, you know, I just decided to show up as myself. And then how that allyship, you know, when you struggled with, now I'm an administrator, so now what if I'm not accepted? What if I'm pushed out of my job? And to have someone, a straight man say, hey, you know, be who you are. It's those little reminders. Yes, those little reminders, because it's that shame that we judge. It's the shame that we impose on ourselves. And, you know, and, and what I've said all the time is that shame, it permeates to others when you feel a sense of shame about yourself, whether it's self-imposed or other, you know, other people are applying that shame, you know, it resonates. And then when we can shed that and just be proud, but that's not even the whole of it. That's, that's the individual. But then what you are teaching these kids is to be authentically themselves. And what happens to the world when we do that? It's a kinder, gentler world. So I, I tell me about that moment when you're walking down the hallway and you, you hear these kids say that, you know, what is going through your mind? I, I was floored. Uh, you know, those kids show just, just the validation. That's really what it is. It's just to say, Hey, I see you. And that, you know, that grade six girl showed so much leadership herself and so much maturity in just that moment to say, Oh, okay. I see you. We didn't have to get into a conversation and I wouldn't mm -hmm. about my private life, about what I do about anything. We didn't necessarily have to go there. And, she just said, Oh, okay. I see you. All right. You look fabulous. And it's just, it's, I just look, I guess, young and hip compared to the principles that they <laughs> they've had before. And fabulous. Uh, and mm -hmm. so, and sure. And, and it, it's funny because um, when, when you can show, and this is, I say this to teachers all the time too, when we try to build school climate is, is um, don't be afraid to share your your own interests and things like that we do so much to try to create to learn about our new students but also to to be able to share about ourselves and obviously within limits and within you know a certain framework but to be able to share your own talents and things like that and it's funny because i had a, a group of kids later in the year that were not playing well at recess and things weren't necessarily working for them and we've tried to put things in in place and and just behavioral kids that just would have some issues. And, and it's funny because what I ended up saying, I, I just through talking to them and in interventions, I found out what their interests were. And uh, I said, would you guys like to know how, you know, to make costuming or sewing or learning, you know? And what I did is that obviously I, by talking to another lady, there's a, a, a woman in the, among the staff, a teacher who's, who's a great seamstress as well. And so I found, <clears throat> you know, some fabrics and some stones and some glitter, and I showed them how to stone stuff. So now they're bejazzling their hats and things like that. And I'm not trying That's to make awesome. them a drag queen, but it's just to share something. And, 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 you know, and when you share about yourself, you get to find, um, um, commonality and and with these there's zero problems with you know at recess anymore you know we've we've have our little yeah. workshops we're able to put different things in place we share uh you know our interests we're learning new skills that are not necessarily in the curriculum um and that's 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 fabulous but it comes through it comes through sharing of yourself and to uh being curious of others right right I and you that. stepping into this authenticity to just be who you are the first time I saw Kristen speak was a hundred years ago in Sacramento at the Women Leaders Law Enforcement Conference. And she was talking about fly your freaky flag and just this authenticity to be who you are. I, I, I really have seen, and most of us have seen over the years that the people that really release this pretense and they just let their true values and their character and themselves kind of show up and influence the space that they're in. There's not only a freedom, but there is a real connection with people. And it sounds like that's what you're describing, Jason. Right, and and, and there's speed bumps along the way. Um, and, you know, I'll give you an example. And it's not always rosy. And, you know, I get a lot of obviously love and acceptance from from kids and, and you know, from staff and things like that. Um, but here in, in Ontario in 20, I think it was 2015, 
um, the health and physical education curriculum got a, a revamp. Um, and the, the premier of the province was this woman named Kathleen Wynne. She was our first lesbian premier, and she was a former minister of education. And during her time as premier here in Ontario, she launched a new sex ed curriculum, which was updated from, I think, like the 2000 and like, I don't know, four or eight version, whatever, or even before that, I think it was 1998, sorry. And uh, it, it, this new curriculum just included in the health and phys ed portion, it just changed, you know, we'll talk about different family structures, we'll talk about in high school, we'll talk about gender expression and sexual orientation, sort of things that were out of there. But what that did is that it inflamed a lot of this more conservative right wing or, or just more conservative parents to say, look at this dyke you know, premier mm -hmm. who's now indoctrinating our children and launching this new phys ed curriculum. And then obviously I'm there as a vice principal of a Catholic elementary school. And I have parents who want to come in and talk, not to the principal, oddly, but they want to talk to the VP, me, because I think they know I'm a flaming homo. And they say, <laughs> excuse me, sir, uh, what is this gay agenda that you're using to indoctrinate <laughs> our children kind of thing? And so in those moments, you have to ask, yourself, you know, can I move the needle with this person yeah. and show them? Yeah. Or or are they here to pick a fight and I'm and am I going to be degraded a, during that? And and there's a part of me that understands where they come from. Um I just think that they're emboldened and they're clumsy because they just replicate they're they're imitators, not innovators, right? They mm. they show up and they just replicate the bull crap that they see on social media and and want to boss up to you. But some of them who come with legitimate questions and say, listen, I'm worried about this. What 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 can you tell me about this new curriculum, this new approach? And I, I think I what I sense when regards to kids and sexual orientation and drag queens and all that stuff is I think those are all topics that I think the majority of parents are open to have happen in, in schools and in, and in community. But I think they're, they're, what they're worried about is, is the person that's going to be having this conversation going to be able to stay to a certain level of, of decorum and, and not mm -hmm. go too far. Right. Because of what happens with a lot of teachers is, you know, kid ask a question, not every moment is a learning opportunity and not every moment is a teachable moment. And you have to understand that these are not your children. Mm. Um, and that although, you know, you, you, you can share of yourself and you can present facts and information they, they go back to their, they go back to their family at the end of the day. Right. Um, and so anyway, what, what I find is that when, when you have those moments, when parents come in and, and, and ask those questions, they're hurtful at first because they attack, your intent, they attack your integrity, they attack your character. But you have to ask yourself in that moment is, can I move forward with this lady or with this man? And, and I'd say in the majority of, of it, yes. And it's through polite, genuine conversation and depersonalizing their homophobia or their, I'm, I'm not trying to make straight people feel comfortable, but I just want to show them the humanity of who I am. And when they see that, then then they can take, if it's just the tiniest step forward to say, okay, this is not as bad as I thought, or this is not, you know, what I see on social media, um, then you can move forward. But I always ask myself the question, can I, can I move the needle with this individual? Yeah, you know, and I think that's a, a great starting place, even to have someone come in and hopefully not attack, but to ask questions. And that, mm -hmm. as you mentioned, you know, that is, a, you know, a gift where someone says, I just don't understand and I am worried. And, and, you know, to your point, you know, you, you, you need to seek first to understand. And sometimes when you don't understand that comes across, you know, as it's fearful and it can be hurtful, you know, in, but what I'm looking, you use the words that I hear on the news, uh, you know, almost every day of indoctrination, you know, and, um, Groomers. and grooming and, you know, and I just think it's so interesting, even here in, in Florida, which, you know, I moved to on purpose, um, because I've noticed that, um, you know, even the headlines that there are a lot of great people on the ground here, you know, in Florida that don't feel the way that the talking heads do on the news. Um, but it strikes me, you know, is that this is what they're afraid of. And this is this word fear. They are afraid that, you know, we are going to any teacher, um, you know, who is gay is going to turn their child gay. They are worried that, uh, you know, any conversations about lifestyles that may not fit the norm are going to indoctrinate their child 
you mm-hmm. know, if you, you know, any trans individual. And I just, I, and I, I have to stop because it is the most anti-intellectual uh, thing I have mm-hmm. ever heard. I mean, I, I am married to a woman. We have four children and this is such a disappointment, but they're all straight. Um, <laughs> I mean, not, not one of them. Your children. You know? your ch- I, my, my children oh. are straight. I mean, it's, you're it's heartbreaking. The where where did I go? Where did I go wrong? Um, but oh, I, you know, and I, I say that in jest because of how preposterous it is. You know, if that were of the course. case, then this, the data would show that, you know, our children would be gay, but it's just, it is this, it's, it's about leaning in and asking the questions, you know, you know, just coming from a place of curiosity, I don't understand, you know, mm-hmm. but it's just become so hateful here that we can't even have the conversation. And so I am just so grateful for people like you, and especially those, yeah. you know, who can not only be themselves unapologetically. And you're right. There are a lot of speed bumps along the Mm -hmm. way. I mean, I had been thrust because of my own shame back into the closet many times until it was actually my kids that were, (laughs) that helped me and said, geez, you know, it's it's time, you know, you two should get married. We're a blended family. And, you know, it was our kids that pushed us to the next level. I mean, that gives me so much hope for this next generation of people. And, you know, maybe they'll be the ones that straighten us out. And you of all people can attest, you know, to the hopefulness we have of our future. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. just said straighten us out, which you know, took me <laughs> an offer. But, but you know, Shit. Jason, to to this point, Jason, you're not only an incredible performer, but what a, what an educator! What a I just feel this sense of of curiosity, this intellectual curiosity. I go to this place where Aristotle was known to have said it is the mark of an educated mind to entertain an idea without accepting it, right? You don't Mm -hmm. have to accept the idea, but one of your responsibilities as an educator is to enlighten, to create a discerning mind, right? And it feels like that's what you're doing. And what Kristen talked about, this is kind of two different things that kind of go to this launching space for you, Jason, is, is this, you're an educator to enlighten, to create curiosity, to exposed to different thought, different art and science and all the things that are out there in the education field. Then there's also this um, this incredible thing that Kristen talked about, that there are folks that are so ignorant that they just go to character attack. It's like my brother when he was eight. It's like he can't deal with the discomfort. So he just goes, you're an asshole. (laughs) So they just go immediately to character attack. You're a uh, fill in the blank. And so I think you have, have, there's a necessity for you for CEOs in business in healthcare with all the things that have gone on in healthcare in policing, pick a field to just be present. And perhaps the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz kind of helps us with this, where he says, you know, be impeccable with your word. Don't take things personally, do your best every day and, and don't make assumptions. And so you have to really be in that space with those parents as you described. Does any of that stir something in you that the Hollow Bunny podcast listeners can really take and chew on from your experience and your perspective? I, I have a guess there is. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, 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 it's tricky. You know, it's, it's funny, because I, I thought of going to the public sector, because I was like, you know what, I'm here with, with, you know, Catholics who are, are, it's a very difficult intersection to be, and I'm a proud Catholic. I mean, I'm not sure. at church every Sunday, but I mean, um, you know, to be Catholic and to also be a gay man and to also do drag. And, and it's like, I'm, I, f- I felt at times that I'm, you know, I'm hated from my fellow drag queens in the left because I'm a sympathizer, a sympathizer, you know, to the Catholics and I'm there and, you know, and I do things with the police and oh my gosh, and the whole, so the left (laughs) hates me and then I go to work and then the right hates me. And it's like, and then I realized that it's, it's not about that. It's, you know, and it's also not about me. It's if you want to bring change, you have to bring change from within and you got to be in, in, in the, in the room if you want to move the needle. Right. And again, it's, it's just showing up and and listening and and also not being afraid to to share a little bit you know who who you are it's um yeah <laughs> i don't know if i'm answering yeah, your question you, or if i'm sorry 
No. And you just said, you know, you could have taken a different route because it might have been the easier route to take, you know, mm-hmm. and, and instead, you know, you chose to do this and in knowing that there are going to be obstacles and especially because, you know, we do, we talk about, you know, religion, there is a distinct, um, you know, idealism in religion, you know, and, you know, and, and homosexuality and, you know, and you've, you've, <laughs> these paths for you have converged and, you know, you're, you're truly remarkable in, in that way and in, in being courageous to show up and be you. And, you know, what I believe will happen. And this is what happens when we lean in. It is easy to hate from far away. It is so hard to hate close up. And, and that's usually what people do is that they haven't met someone, you know, and especially in my life is, you know, those people who are extremely homophobic and then they learn about me and they're like, oh, wow, you know, I didn't know that about you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so when you lean in and you get to know people as individuals, see, that's where we can make a difference. And people ask me all the time, why do you live where you live? And I, I think because, you know, this is how we influence people. It's, it's this abstract, you know, a hatred that people have for people they don't even know. And then you lean Come in on, and you get- awesome. Well, I, oh, I do. Florida. I actually, so you know, so what's so suck it. What? I don't get it. Florida's but you know, awesome. what's so interesting is like that, that actually, as I said, the people on the ground, I mean, I was just at, at bitchy bingo, um, in Naples, Florida, um, where, you know, beautiful drag divas were, you know, running the bingo and, and performing. And I, and it, my kids were here over Christmas and we were right there. And so it's just, it's, how did it's, I not I think go to that? I know next time you're here, I'm taking you Mm -hmm. to bitchy bingo. Uh, You also Mm -hmm. have an open invitation, Jason, (laughs) Uh, you come here. Um, But, but you know, the point is, is it's just leaning in and I, I, Florida gets a bad rap because, and, and so do a lot of places where, you know, we just concentrate on the talking heads and the conservatism and the hatred. And we just keep, you know, perpetuating that. But when you actually talk to people, I find that they're, they're actually pretty reasonable, you know, and again, it's human influence. And so I just want to thank you for being such an influencer, um, not only in the performing world and being perfectly Mm -hmm. you, but, but influencing our young minds, because what you're teaching them is that they can be authentically them. And man, when you show up in the world, being exactly who you are, um, you know, it's a beautiful and remarkable thing. So today, uh, Jezebel Bardot, you have filled my bunny with, um, I'm going to say rainbow sprinkles. Um, I think that's what my bunny is filled with. (laughs) For sure. Um, I love that. And I want to say one thing about Canada. Sylvia, do you know that uh, Canada has a pastry called beaver tail? I do. (laughs) I know this. Of course. You okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. there's something that we have to ask all our guests now. So, um, Jason, do you make your bed every day? I'm, I'm also like coming from a military family, whereas like if I wanted to go out to the movies or whatever, my bed's not made. My dad's like, absolutely not. Right. And, and how uh, can you get through your day if you don't make your bed? Like that's the first task of the day and and uh, oh, a, oh my gosh like you've, have, you've this just is validated spare, us this is the spare bedroom so it's like this is the dog's bed but anyway uh <laughs> but my my bed is yeah no you have to how how do you get anything accomplished if you don't you validated us you validate us but now we've turned our listeners now we're gonna have to make an apology (laughs) to listeners that don't make their bed every day but i mean you know listen i would like to challenge our bunnies out there just make your bed just start out it's it's make Mm -hmm. it right away and then now you have accomplished something and that will set you on a forward trajectory of accomplishments throughout the day just start checking the box jason you know what's uh i have to say kind of as we're as we're diving toward the the conclusion of our podcast, you have such a remarkable life. I can't help but think about you grew up in a military household and you have structure, you're an athlete, you are a performer, you're obviously an intellectual, you are a student of humanity and inclusion, which is totally different than, than tolerance, right? I mean, inclusion mm-hmm. is really remarkable. You... Uh, It's striking to me that one would say that you have, if you were just one of those pieces, a military kid, a, a, what were you, the national champion in gymnastics, crazy making, fantastic (laughs) athlete, or you were this incredible young professional and educator, or you were a performer, any one of those things would 
just be a source of pride and ad, admire it. And broadly, we would say that is a really remarkable man. But all of that combined, I can't help but think that you're a bit of a talent hoarder, maybe. <laughs> like you have all kinds of fabulous. So there's a hoarding. We might start a new show. Like, how can you be all of that? It seems like they'd be conflicting, but they're so beautifully synchronized in this human that is Jason. I really appreciate that. But, you know, I, I owe a lot of, of, you know, those opportunities to to just really amazing parents. Both my, you know, my dad's an army vet. Uh, my, my mom is a fabulous woman. And, and you know, I, yeah, I come from a, a, a family of northern Quebecois. And it's, uh, it, it might look a little bit like Florida sometime because uh, it's, it could be quite conservative. And you think, you know, you have a, a rah-rah military dad. But I... You know, it, it, it's it's funny, but they they just always just accepted me. They never steered me into any direction. They just let me be. And from a very young age, when I was like mm. dancing like a little girl in the living room, it was uh, they didn't say, oh, don't dance like that. They just turned the music on a little louder, I guess. And, you know, and I'm, I'm very fortunate that I, I have a big brother as well. And like I owe him my entire gymnastics career because I used to be like a little seven-year-old in the living room doing flips and smoking my feet off the coffee table. And then what happened one day is that my elementary school um, was getting rid of old gymnastics mats. And he, uh, we lived like maybe 10 minute walk away from the school, 10, 15 minute walk away from the school. And he, um, they were getting rid of those mats and he was maybe 10 years old at the time. And he just grabbed them on the back of his, on his back they were very heavy for a little kid and he brought them home and he said, Hey Jay, you're always flipping around. Look, the school's getting rid of these. Do you want like whatever <laughs> you take those? And <laughs> I learned, you know, how to do my first back handspring and my first backflip there. And fast forward, um, you know, 10 years later and I'm on the national team, you know, and, but it start it starts with, with, people taking One. appreciation mm -hmm. in your and in your interests. And in order for yeah. people to uh, open up doors for you, which I've had plenty of leaders and people and my brother and my family and, and bosses open doors for me is by sharing a little bit about yourself. And if they don't have that information that you like something that you're interested in something, how, how can you help that person, you know, move forward. So, you know, a gesture from that little girl to just say, Hey, Oh my God, Mr. Slay, you look amazing. Um, you know, it's, that's validating. I get to, to, you yeah. know, be myself. I get to, you know, so I I'm very lucky. So if I I'm, I'm talented at all these ways, thank you. I still, you know, sometimes feel very mediocre, but I mean, uh, um, <laughs> it, it's because I had, uh, amazing people around me. Um, just, just, accept who I was and, and, and open a door and share. And, and, and I, I hope to do that for others. So, yeah. Oh. Just try to Jason, you filled my bunny with maple syrup, Canadian maple syrup <laughs> oh. or poutine. Poutine is that the oh. gravy and yeah. yeah something. Oh, we I have don't a know. lot of really good but, stuff, but ma maple syrup, I'll, I'll, you know what? I, I have a treat for you next time you come into to, to Ontario, or if I if ever I go to uh, to the U.S., I'll bring you some some good stuff. There oh. you go. I'll I'll be up there in June. I gotta say this, Kristen. Before you really bring this thing home, Jason, this episode, my hunch is that our Hollow Bunny Leadership podcast listeners are going to rewind this and listen to certain pieces of what you have given them over and over, either in their leadership role as a spouse, as an educator, as a leader, as a parent, as a something or other. I think you've expanded our field of view and really opened our hearts and made us super curious and equally committed to showing up for people in a way that gives them space to be psychologically safe and express themselves the way that they want to and need to. This has been a delight mm -hmm. for me. My heart is, I got goosebumps. Uh, thank you. I, I am so glad, Jason, that 
we had the opportunity to talk today, but more importantly, uh, wow, how lucky uh, the world is to have you in it. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your story. I learned so much. Um, you have filled my bunny with beaver tail. <laughs> that sounds so dirty. <laughs> um, you can find on Instagram, please follow Jezebel.bardo, B-A-R-D-O-T. Yes. Please follow on Insta. And I am so grateful to have you here. Thank you for being here. And I want to thank Ted Madden, who produces our podcast. And the song you are about to hear was written and performed by, by my performer, my son, Jake Zeman, and his accomplished friends, Fabian and Zoe. If you like this podcast, please punch that like button. Review it. Tell everyone Subscribe. you know about it. Yeah, subscribe to it. If you don't like it, what do you know about anything? You, uh, yeah, you don't just move know on. diddly squat. Just yeah, keep yeah. walking. You don't sister. know beaver. Uh, so please, everyone, keep filling your own bunnies with substance and please add substance to others. Bye, everybody. When you look inside, what do you are you content to fall behind when you lose your way and you've lost your why have courage and get ready to fight the hollow buddy when the way ahead is covered in smoke and you're tired and scared and you're losing hope you'll open your heart and your eyes and see a challenge and a question why not me to fight the hollow buddy Something's gonna crack, you've gotta start it